Welcome to the Clover Report podcast. I'm Dr. Rudy Jackson, and here's today's question. Is your teenager taking too many AP, IB, or honors courses? This seems like a common sense answer because most folks who wanna go to college feel like if I take more APs and honors courses, it's gonna improve my chances of getting admitted, may even improve my chance of getting a scholarship. But in fact, there is a way in which the use of AP courses can be a mistake and can actually hurt your chances of getting in college because of how you use your time. So we're going to talk about that little mistake today because it is February and many parents and teenagers are looking at schedules. So let's take a look at the issue here. So I'm a parent of an eighth grader who's going to high school next year. And we've gotten the schedules in and looked at courses and many high school parents are doing the same thing. And so the question becomes how many advanced classes should my kid take uh, if they're ready for those classes? And it's not an easy answer. You get suggestions from teachers uh, sometimes, sometimes you don't. Uh, but in the back of your mind, you feel this pressure to take more advanced courses so that you can get this advantage in the admission process. And that's where the mistake happens, because we've got some parents and some students who are feeling the pressure to ultimately end up with 10 or 15 or 20 AP courses or IB courses or honors courses, when in fact, you don't need that many courses to demonstrate the rigor of your high school preparation 
and to ultimately demonstrate that you're prepared as a student to be successful in a college, no matter how competitive the college is. Um, and that's where the mistakes can be made. So let's drill down on that just a little bit. Some colleges, not all, but some colleges in particular, like the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, are actually giving prospective students and parents guidance on where the cutoff is. In particular, uh, Chapel Hill is saying to prospective students, we encourage you to take a uh, challenging course load. We even would like to see you to take four to five APs or IB courses. Uh, but anything more than five will not help you in the admission process. And they are one of the first colleges that I've seen to actually make a statement like that. And they made that statement based on some research they did um, to try to differentiate if there's any benefit to the student after the five AP courses. And so this may be a trend that you'll start to see more often where colleges, a specific college, maybe your target college, will come out and say, hey, we want your preparation to be rigorous, we want you to take advanced courses, and we'd like to see X number of courses. Uh, however, if you choose to take more, you can, but it won't help you in the admission process. You're not gonna get an edge in that. And in many of the same ways, if you're on a scholarship committee, a scholarship team may begin to say the same thing. And now, again, let's be clear that there's value in taking uh, AP courses, and that value is possibly for earning college credit, and also it's going to prepare you to hopefully be successful while you're in college. But again, this equation of more AP courses equals a better chance of getting admitted is actually just a myth so let's let me break this down real clear for you and let you understand that there are two steps in the decision making process to get into college especially competitive colleges where there are more qualified applicants than there are spaces uh, to get into college and so step one is this basic question are you qualified do you have the grades do you have the test scores? Have you taken a rigorous curriculum? Are you involved in extracurriculars? And if you've done those things to the standard of each, ind each individual college, then they can check the box and say, yes, you, know, you are a qualified applicant. And so your target college may have 40,000 applications. And in that 40,000, maybe 25,000 of those applicants do meet the qualifications. And so that group then goes on to step two, which is a different question. It's not, are you qualified? But now the question is, what separates you from other qualified applicants? So we now have this 25,000 uh, group of applicants. They all have high enough grades, test scores, APs, advanced classes, extracurriculars. Now it's time to choose which ones you want. And out of that 25,000, you may have 5,000 seats, 5,000 spots in the freshman class. And so now you've got to say no to 20,000 people who are qualified. And so it's a totally different question. And so the mistake comes for the parent and the student 
when they think that I'm going to spend all my time taking more AP classes or I got to take more IBs or I got to take more honors because that's the road to getting in. No, no, it's not. That's the road to answer question one, but that does nothing to answer question two. And again, here's the mistake. You're now spending a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy and attention is paid to these quote unquote extra AP courses or advanced courses when you could be taking a regular course and spending that extra time in other areas that will help you answer the second question, which is separating from other people who have similar numbers or test scores. So, so let's look at this. So the focus now is gonna be on being qualified and separating from the competition. And we wanna look at this question of how to stand out when everybody's qualified. So I'm gonna give you a couple tips here. We've got this extra time and when I taught AP Psych, I usually looked at three to five hours outside of uh, every class hour of, um, uh, of the course uh, that had to be dealt with studying, uh, preparing for tests, preparing papers, and so forth. And so if you take one AP and you consider to take a second, that second is going to be another three to five hours a week. You're going to take a third, that's another three to five hours a week. So instead of putting that into a course, what you could be doing is putting that into building your resume to separate yourself from these other similarly qualified applicants. And in particular, you can work on how you can demonstrate whether you had an impact in your community or what your passion is. And in fact, there are actually clues on all of your target web, all of your target colleges websites. And so what I would suggest you do to figure out what they're looking for is actually Google the phrase, what we look for, and then say at Chapel Hill, Georgia Tech, Penn State, Cal Berkeley, whatever your, your target college is, or what we like to see at the University of Texas at Austin, or whatever your college is. But just Google those phrases, what we look for, or what we like to see, and you'll find some good information. For example, this is what you see, what you will see at Duke. Uh, they got a nice statement here that tells you exactly what they are looking for. Um, the statement basically reads, we're looking for students ready to respond to the opportunities intelligently, creatively, and enthusiastically. We like ambition and curiosity, talent and persistence, energy, and humanity. Um, and so they're telling you exactly what they want to see. And your job is to showcase those intangible qualities, the work that you've done, the impact you've had, um, and to demonstrate to them why you are a better candidate and why you've separated from other students that look similar to you based on the numbers of grades and test scores and, and APs. And so that's the challenge, separating along with being qualified. The only other thing I would add when it comes to considering uh, how many APs to take uh, as a parent, you want to always consider past performance of your teenager, uh, how well they did in a similar class in the current year or prior year. Um, clearly looking at what other responsibilities they have with other classes, uh, extracurriculars, uh, at home, maybe work, uh, to look at the balance, especially if they're going to be adding additional uh, advanced courses. Uh, third, 
and the one that's overlooked more than not is your teenager's uh, skill level around their organization, their study skills, their time management. Uh, many times, you know, we're not sitting over their shoulders to see them do their work or organize their work or what are they doing to take notes in the classroom, but we see the results of those behaviors uh, in the time at which they go to bed or we see their backpack or their notebooks. Uh, we see, you know, how they talk about their performance of whether they really feel like they were prepared or they start started studying early enough. Uh, you can tell when your kids, you know, rushing through assignments. Uh, all these things are indicators of whether they have what some people would call kind of academic skills or success skills around, again, organization of their of their work, their study skills, um, and their time management. And if they have those skills. Uh, you're more likely to uh, let that student uh, move on into more advanced courses. If they don't have those skills, it may be reason to uh, wait a year before they test uh, their first or their second one out. Um, and then lastly, uh, I would say consider or at least get some thought to what happens if they take an advanced course or multiple advanced courses and they have poor performance. And that performance may be early in the semester or mid-semester or whatever point, you know, is there going to be academic support? Is there going to be tutoring available to help that student either learn the material or perform better on exams? Um, is there a plan or mechanism within the school for the student to move down into a lower class if they're in uh, AP or IB? Can they move down to honors? If they're in honors, can they move down? Uh, to the regular course. Uh, so what does the structure of the school allow for the student? Uh, it's just something to, to think about. So I really uh, believe this is, that, that this is a, an important issue. It's a mistake that we make primarily because we're not focused on standing out. We're just focused on trying to be more qualified. Uh, I want to make sure that parents uh, have this information so they can make informed decisions. Um, and so they can get their kids, you know, a great chance at being successful. So uh, if you like this, um, this content, if you like uh, the discussion here, uh, please share it with a friend. Uh, we've got that the ability to kind of put this out here through social media. Uh, please do that. Uh, we don't want to be uh, selfish with any good information. We want folks to have it so that they can use it. Um, in particular, if you are on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, um, I've got a very easy handle on all of those. Uh, I use a little bit.ly uh, handle where it's just bit.ly forward slash and it's your college pro Facebook or your college pro tweet or your college pro, your college pro LinkedIn. So uh, you can follow me. I'll be putting out more content in February, March and April. Uh, in particular, one of the next ones I'll do is something on dual enrollment and some of the pros and cons of when dual enrollment may be right for your teenager and when you may consider dual enrollment not the best fit. Um, so I look forward to any comments you may have, any other uh, topics you'd like me to discuss. But again, I'm Dr. Rudy Jackson with College Prep Professional, and you can find me at www.yourcollegepro.com. Thank you.